Poole Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. Lakeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. Couch listeners, welcome back to another episode. Um, this is your host, Dr. Lakeitha Poole. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening and supporting every single week. If you haven't already, make sure that you have subscribed through Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and keep in touch with us through social media um, on Instagram at Go Small Talk Counseling and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash smalltalkcounseling. Um, you can also connect with us through the website, which is where you submit your weekly questions for our Ask Dr. LP segment. And that website is www.smalltalkcounseling.com. So we are back with episode 20. So this week's topic, we are going to tackle an area of mental health and wellness that doesn't always get addressed, I think, for a multitude of different reasons. And we will get into that a little bit today. But we specifically wanted to make sure that we brought back the fan favorite um, of the show, Miss um, Amanda Jackson, my mom. Hey, mom. Hi, Key. How are you? I'm good. Um, good. Welcome back to the well, Emerald Couch. Glad to be back on the Emerald Couch. Hi, Emerald Couch listeners. Hope you all are well because I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> so she is back in particular to talk about our topic today, which is around support and just knowledge of the experience of caretakers and caregivers. And in a second, I'll talk about even sort of the distinction now that folks are making between the two of those. For all of our regular listeners, you'll remember Miss Amanda from episode four, where we talked about motherhood and mental health, which was a really, really great episode. So this week she's back and we're talking about another area that she has um, some really good and helpful, I think, experience with um, and can hopefully offer support and guidance to others, uh, which is caretaking. So before we get into letting her kind of share and answer some of the questions that we have about that experience, I always want to give you all some background facts and information about caregiving. So one of my favorite things to do is always give you all resources um, that are easy to find and follow. So um, I'll share a few of mine and then we'll hop into our questions. So just in thinking about overall general facts about caregiving, um, it's, it is uh, researched that an estimated 44 million Americans age 18 and older provide unpaid assistance and support to older people and adults 
um, with disabilities who live in our country. So that's a lot of people just saying that um, as soon as you maybe turn an adult, you might be responsible for um, an older parent or sibling or um, someone with a disability and um, Family Caregiver Alliance, which their website is caregiver.org, shows that most caregivers at the time of them assuming their role aren't necessarily prepared um, to provide that care, especially with little to no help, which is usually how it happens. However, more than a third of them continue to provide that intense care while also having to still take care of their own health because just as that person that maybe they're caring for is growing older and they may not start out as an older person when the caregiving begins, the caretaker and caregiver is also growing older and has transitions around their own health that they have to address. So studies show that an influential factor in a caregiver's decision to decide not to take on that role and put that person in maybe a long-term care facility is usually only due to that caregiver's own physical health then being at risk. Um, so after they've done it for a very, very long time, then they end up you know, in a place where because of maybe not having as much time to take care of themselves, they end up having to place that person in a long-term care facility. So what research will show us is that family members who tend to provide care to individuals with chronic or disabling conditions end up being at risk themselves. And so that's also, you know, a whole other side to caregiving that often doesn't get discussed. So the emotional, mental, and physical health problems that come up during that um, and the strain of that is also worth discussing. So recently though, um, and I think in most communities, you'll see this, that there's also some gender discrepancies in the rates of effective um, caretaking, specifically parental caretaking. Um, So what we see is that women are much more willing to provide care for aging family members as than compared to men. So guys, we're not saying that you don't step up and do that, but it is um, more likely for um, an an aging parent's daughter than son to step up to um, kind of be that caregiver, even if it's for the mother or father. Um, So there's tons of studies actually right now going on about this Um, And in particular, what has been found recently through a study at Princeton is that daughters provide an average of 12.3 hours of older parent care per month. And this is before that person maybe is living with them full time, um, whereas sons only provide about 5.6 hours of care in the same time frame. So um, whether that's due to, you know, the availability of maybe a daughter versus a son that also I'm sure could take you into another study. But what we know right now is that there are definitely differences um, in gender discrepancies uh, as far as effective parental caretaking. And then lastly, I think, and I mentioned this right in the intro, is that there's also a distinction now that's being discussed more around caretaking versus caregiving. Um, And expressivecounseling.org really talks about how, um, going back to that point of of the physical and mental and emotional health of the actual caregiver is always at risk in the midst of that process due to the codependency that sometimes develops in that experience. So, for instance, for caretakers, um, it's this idea of kind of diving completely in without sort of a plan or understanding the dynamics of the person you're caring for, whereas a caregiver is going to do their due diligence to at least sort of figure out um, 
the information that's needed to really care properly for someone with a, a, a disease. So I'll give a couple like, I guess, quick facts around the differences between caretaking and caregiving just to be able to make that clear and give a visual for people. Um, so caretaking is something that feels less stressful because it can be exhausting, it can be frustrating. Someone who's a caregiver feels right and sort of feels like um, it almost re-energizes them and inspires them to get to care for this person that they love. And so that doesn't mean the caretaker doesn't love them, but someone functioning in that way is also not, again, being um, mindful of their own health and well-being. Um, caretaking crosses boundaries, whereas caregiving honors them. And so that means that they still sort of respect the dignity of that individual who might be aging and who might be suffering from a chronic disease, but still making sure that they're mindful of um, that person's dignity as a human being. Caretaking takes from the recipient or gives with strings attached. Caregiving gives freely. So they're not constantly sort of thinking about what am I going to get from this experience, um, knowing that they're really isn't anything to get back except for that satisfaction of being able to help and support that person. Um, caretakers don't often practice self-care because they mistakenly believe that it's being selfish to do so, whereas caregivers will find ways um, that they can to practice self-care because they know that keeping themselves happy enables them to be able to be of better service to other people. Um, and then lastly, um, caretaking creates anxiety and or depression in the caretaker, whereas caregiving decreases anxiety or depression in the caregiver because, again, they're able to relieve stress from that person that they're providing that love and support for. So there's not um, a lot of information just about what this experience actually looks like. There's just a lot of facts like what we just read and stats um, that sort of talk about the number of people caregiving, the dynamics of it, uh, but nobody really can share information about the experiences. And so I hope that we can kind of talk about what that looks like today, particularly in sort of helping to figure out how to support the mental health and well-being of folks who are caregivers just to be able um, to support them as they do such a really big and um, important job. So mom, I know you have um, lots of experience with being a caregiver um, for several years in particular with grandma, but also exactly. you've done um, above and beyond for other family members, yes, um, you know, and stepped in, even if it's short term to do that. So I definitely think that you're going to be able to give us um, a lot of insight of what that experience is like for you personally, but also some things that I think people can generalize as they think about what um, what it may look like for them who might be listening. So okay. just share with us a little bit of like, what do you feel like it means to have kind of the heart of a caretaker or a caregiver? Like what, what do you even need to have to do a good job? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, every time when I hear it, I just, <laughs> something inside of me just start bubbling up because I mean, I just, you know, I love to know that I'm helping and I'm reaching out. But what I would say, I mean, the heart, your heart should look like, it should be a, a heart of empathy. Mm -hmm. It should be a heart of patience. Mm -hmm. It definitely should be a loving heart, very compassionate. And, you know, and the person that you have um, have the opportunity to um, help, you know, you need that person need to know that, you know, that what you're, you're entrusting them 
with their care, you're you're being entrusted with their care. So mm-hmm. therefore, you know, you you need to let that person who you're caring for feel your heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that makes sense, if you will, you know, feel that. Hey, I'm right here for you. I know you're going through, but I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and this is not slight at all. This is a big one for me. A praying heart. Mm-hmm. You definitely need to have a praying heart because, I mean, there are going to be times when it's going to get, you know, the rubber going to meet the road. It's going to get a little tough through there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to be able to call on something that's going to be bigger than both you and the person you're caring for. Caring for. Um, as a caretaker, you know, you also just, you know, you have to realize, too, that, you, you know, as it relates to your heart, you're going to be making some sacrifices and things are going to look a little different from what they would have looked, you know, the day before before something have happened or that person has been entrusted you have been entrusted with their care so you just have to know you know um that that particular some sacrifices come you have to um make sure you're given great quality care that individual is so important i mean you almost care well i'm gonna say me i'm gonna have to talk about me i wanted to give the kind of care that it was just simple. I mean, one hundred, just one hundred percent. I just wanted, you know, make sure that they were getting all they need, and that I was doing everything that I could do to make their struggle or their problem or whatever it was that they were going through, you know, make it lighter, make that, you know, take that load off them. So, you know, that heart, just feel your heart, you know, and just um, they should know that there's nothing, you know, in the world that you wouldn't do for them, you know. So I, I go back just saying show empathy, you know, have patience, loving, just be very compassionate because they need that. Believe me, they didn't. They don't want to find themselves in these situations, but mm-hmm. when they do, I mean, somebody need to care, right? And in most instances, like you mentioned, it's unexpected for everybody, right? So the person who needs the caregiving, in most cases, before needing that extra care, maybe was you know fully functioning, working, yes. strong individual. Um, And so it also is an experience for them that I know we won't talk about as much today of like what that person um, feels like emotionally and mentally as well. So it is a lot for a caretaker and a caregiver to step in and be able to support somebody that's also going through what they feel like is potentially a negative experience because it's changing their way of life. Absolutely. Um, So I know that that can be difficult yeah and like I say you know the heart and the heart is the center of all things so you know I mean if you do that you have the right stuff inside to give that individual what they need Mm -hmm. because you're you're leaning on something bigger than yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so talk to us a little bit about either your experiences specifically as a caretaker um, a caregiver what were some of the challenges, happy moments? Just tell us a little bit about what, what it feels like to be in that role. For me, the experiences with with great, great reward and fulfillment, you know, caring for my mother, my father, my sister, other relatives and friends, it just brought, it brings everything to me. It just, it, I think it has shaped who I am today, you know, mm-hmm. because it just, something about knowing that I was helping them and I wasn't looking for anything in return. I just wanted to see if I could bring a smile to their face, see if I can just make make their day or make that problem a little lighter or just anything that I can do to just, you know, really help and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And just encourage them, you know. I, I always did love helping and I never 
even know that in my life it would get to a point that I would have to care for so many and I right. I don't know <laughs> I sometimes think it's something inside as soon as I hear like somebody needs something they're in help it's like something goes off inside of me I'm like what do they need what what happened you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm quick to jump and I one time I used to think that was a curse because I actually you know watched my mom do do that, do that mm-hmm. and just always jump 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 as soon as she heard something and and I'm like, Ma, you need to slow down. You need to do this. You need to, you know, whatever. You can't do everything. You can't be everything to everybody. And it's funny now. And I think, you know, now as soon as I hear something, so I'm trying to do what the I was trying to she, yeah. yeah, it's trying to tell her don't do. But, again, I mean, it's just, like I said, I, I mean, it's an experience. I, I mean, a great reward. I'm, I'm fulfilled when I'm doing it. It, it really just brings me great satisfaction. Um, you know, but of course, with anything, there are challenges, and I, I mean, and I don't even like to think of them also, you know, as challenges. I think of it as maybe altering life a little bit. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you get off, you know. So my experience, what I can think about, and I guess I'll just kind of talk to mom since she was the longest running individual that I guess I gave mm-hmm. care to. So. I mean, I guess some challenges that came up when I began the journey with her. Um, I had been teaching school for about 15 years at that time. And she started having doctor appointments after doctor appointments. And, you know, shout out to uh, Mr. Walter Goodman. I don't know if he'll ever hear this podcast or not. But I went to him, you know, I say, hey, you know, look, this is what's going on. My mom needs this. And, you know, I had she was having many appointments. And he just... He was so gracious, you know, hey, go take care of mom, go take care of mom. But, you know, in my heart, because, I mean, I didn't want to leave the burden on my other, you know, the other, uh, my other colleagues or let the children down or what have you. I had to make the decision, you know, that that was too many days out of the building. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, no, no. I mean, I just have to give it up, you know, and. Oh, and I did it, I mean, I did it reluctantly because I was hating to leave the children and thought I was letting them down, but definitely didn't want to let mom down. Mm-hmm. I knew she needed what she needed, and she wouldn't She wasn't going to never say, I need it yeah, and ask for it. She wasn't going right. to ask. And so, those people won't. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they won't, you know, so I, I just like, you know, hey, mom needs me, you know, and hey, and I got to be there for it. I saw her be there for many others and I just you know and I know the ones she hadn't cared for for she could not they could not do anything for it they were either gone home to be with the Lord or they just wasn't in a position to do anything for her so therefore I needed to do that so that was a challenge you know but hey I made it happen and I went on for probably about it was good four or five years you know with no job. I mean, and that I'm gonna say at the time that was way back when, <laughs> early '90s or so when I started out. I mean, and you know, going up until 15 years into that, but at you know, I um, I guess salary probably was somewhere around forty-one thousand dollars at that time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I just let it go. I just walked away, and you know, and I'm like, I'm gonna make it some way, somehow. You know, of course, I had retirement. I mean, I decided to pull all of that out. You know, and say, you know what? Whatever it takes to to make it, I just need mom to have the best, and I wanted to make sure she had the best. And of course, in in that trend, you were born in the midst of all of mm-hmm. all of that. I mean, I needed to make sure you had what you needed, so I wasn't gonna let anybody down. And I know going back to what I said earlier about that strength and that power that's bigger than me. That's what I had to pull on, and so 
I just use those altering facts and say, you know what? God is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. And I just went on and I took, you know, what I had to do and just made sure that you had what you needed and she had what she needed. And we we kept moving. We just mm -hmm. kept things going. I just didn't look back, didn't think twice. But maybe, um, like I said, probably after it was 15 years or so I had been out there. But maybe after caring for mom about five consecutive years, I mean, I, the walls seemed like they were closing in because I had been working since I was 15 years old. So I was like, man, I need to do something. I mean, I had to rain all the doctor appointments in the morning and had everything scheduled in the morning. And by, you know, four o'clock, I'm like, mm, what else can I do? What else can I do? <laughs> so I decided to take on a part time job, you know, like I said. So going from a job that was like forty one thousand to making less than 10,000 year. But again, it that wasn't even the point. I mm -hmm. just needed to be there for her. And you know, I also um, you know, think of a challenge. I just pick it back on this a little bit. My father, who was on dialysis for over 10 years, you know, um, he was a truck driver by trade. He had um, served in the United States Army as well. Um, but he, you know, needed to go on dialysis and I had to figure out, you know, again, that's what I say, altering. I had to figure out, okay, so how he gets to, how can he get to dialysis at 5 a.m. and get home and all of that for himself? So, again, jobs that I was on at that time, you know, um, I would bring him to dialysis three times a week for 5 a.m., take my lunch break at 10 a.m. so that I can go back to get him to bring him home to make sure he had something to eat and that he was comfortable before returning back to work. So those are just things that I, I can just think of, you know, and I say altering, but I guess it could very well be a challenge for others if mm -hmm. they think of it, you know, in that way. But again, uh, there was still, it's still something I would never, never, never trade. I mean, I just absolutely wouldn't trade anything, yeah. any part of that because it, it's like I said, it shaped it shaped me to the individual that I am today. Mm -hmm. And I think you said some um, happy moments. And I think the happiness of it all for me, just knowing, you know, that what I was doing to help them, it just made my heart sing, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it just know that, you know, I see a smile on their face through their pain, through their tears or what have you. And, you know, and I'm just standing there with my Kool-Aid smile like it's going to be OK. <laughs> It's going to be okay, you know, and um, just every, you know, I, you know, every day or whenever mom would even think of it, you know, because as um, dementia set in, sometimes she had some good days of processing and some days they weren't so good. But mm -hmm. she would just always, you know, remind me and remind me how much she loved me and how much she cared for me, you know, and she thanked me for caring for her. And I just say, oh, mom, that's not necessary. Oh, yes, Manda, don't tell me, uh, you know, so. <laughs> He, yeah. I mean, I said, okay, I, and I took that, but again, I just felt, you know, necessary um, to, to be able to do that. And I, you know, it was just, that was, that was happiness for me. Just knowing, just getting them little, the little tad bit of thank yous. My dad, he would, you know, we would be in the car riding and he would, you know, say things, how much he was, how proud he was of me. And, you know, I think I, one part of, you know, toward the end of, his dialysis and everything. I mean, you know, when 
you know, you were, um, I was um, carrying you as a, um, you know, getting ready to deliver. And mm -hmm. I want, what are you going to do? What, 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 what do you, what is going to be? You know, no, I don't know that. Well, if it's a girl, what do you think? If it's a boy, you know, so, you know, just showing that they still had an interest in what I was in doing life. in yeah, life like and what was going was on. Going on. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I mean, and those were just moments that meant a lot to me. That, that was happy moments for me. And then I guess the final thing I'll talk about, I had a friend, you know, a dear friend to, um, who had, you know, got some devastating news and, you know, she came to me, she said, you know, that, hey, this, um, the doctors are saying, you know, I, I have breast cancer. I said, breast cancer, yeah, we could deal with that. We, you know, we got this, you know, I know, mm -hmm. again, that back, that strength, I said, it touched your breast, we gonna kick his butt. <laughs> you know, so that you know, and so you know, and so I went found a plaque that said that and gave it to her and she started a shrine from there, mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, with all the help and you know, I you know, mom was ailing at this time, she was going through so I would get mom set up and do this for mom, run, bring her to, to have her treatments mm -hmm. and sit there and play cards with her, bring her back home. So again I but those moments meant so much to me, you know, so you know, when the situation just looked grim at times, you know, the doctor reports get grim, you know, but God. And those moments just make me happy. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. So just being able to see and know that there there are two sides to it. I think a lot of people fear being a caregiver or a caretaker because they maybe haven't had any experiences and so they don't know what it's going to be like. But to recognize that. It's definitely an up and down process. Oh, so there's yes, a lot absolutely. of things involved that you will experience for the first time, but at the same time, a lot of happy moments. And like you said, the the way that it feels so fulfilling is because of knowing that whether they can tell you or not, in, in every case, everybody exactly. was able to express their gratitude to you. But even if they can't, you know that they feel that and you know that you're altering um, their life for the positive, which Absolutely. by default ends up altering yours for the positive oh, for the yes. rest of your life. Absolutely, it's, I mean, it's an experience. It's a time. It's something you would you'll always be able to treasure and have within you. And like I said, even though it you know may have been a time that was really stressful or what have you, but you got through it and you just kept pulling and kept pulling and that's all. Because even when I got you know I, I mean I even go back to mom. Like I say, mom was sit in the hospital, you know, doctors would give all these bad reports and, you know, she found a way always to even express, you know, like, you're a strong lady, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand, but I mean, I, I guess you have to be strong when you're caring, you know, for someone and you have their life basically in your hands. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's, you know, but they all brought me great satisfaction. Yeah. So just to kind of make sure that we give folks who are listening to you know who are probably found themselves in a similar situation where unexpectedly they ended up as a caretaker or a caregiver do you have any tips and you kind of give it you've given some but um anything in particular as somebody who maybe may find themselves in that situation um you know just out of the blue and not being prepared what are some ways that maybe if they hear this before that happens, they can at least have some some words of advice? Yeah, um, you know, if you find yourself, you know, like I said, unexpected illnesses, or if there is something long term that you see coming on and you've been dealing with it for a while, I mean, just when sudden illnesses comes, you, you know, it's just nothing else you can um, do about those things. 
but be as prepared as you can be. It is very stressful, but again, you have to have, you have to be very patient, Mm -hmm. be willing to understand, you know, that it's not only stressful for you as the person that's giving the care, but it's very stressful for the individual who needs the care. experiencing their illness. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the other thing is, if you have the opportunity and you have, you're dealing with someone with maybe long-term care and they still have their faculties about them, talk about it. Talk about it with them, you know, and, you know, how do you want your care to look? Do You know, some people want to stay at home and be cared for. Mm-hmm. Some people say, no, put me in a um, long-term facility. Mm-hmm. So if you get that opportunity to discuss it, you know, and as a community, as an African-American community, um, especially, you know, we fear of talking about long-term things and debt mm-hmm. and all of those, but we have to get away from those myths and believing that, you know, if I talk about it, it's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen, in, you know, either, either way. way. It's yeah. going to happen. So, but again, if you get, get the opportunity to talk about it, do so. You know, but uh, the other tip I would say, take care of yourself. Make sure, you know, you, you know, let things get out, don't let things get out of control with you as the caregiver or the caretaker yourself, you know, know your body, um, you know, take control, do not, you know, take good care of yourself because you can't be any, any good to anyone else if you're not taking great care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, you know, find help. If you need the help, don't let it become so overwhelming and then you just, you know, just all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, before it get too overwhelming, you know, and you say you're caring for the person inside your home, get some help. Get some help inside that home. Check into adult daycares. Maybe you need to send them to adult daycare once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Try those things. Home health services. Get nurses to come in and do things. You know, get those things, reach out. I mean, they're out there. You just have to do a little legwork, but it's in the long run, it's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Check, you know, check your local resources. Um, you know, when I say that, you know, where you can get some answers to some questions you might start having, such as you can go to the Red Cross, the National Family Caregivers Association, Council on Aging. Mm-hmm. You know, you can seek a geriatric um, nurse or a caseworker. Just don't be afraid to ask for help. If you need it, mm-hmm. ask for it. And, you know, finally, I'm going to just say this. Uh, everybody may not need it. Like I said, you know, and I personally never got involved with any, but because I, I guess I had such strong faith in God that he was going to see me through anything that came up. But, again, if you need to get involved with a caregiver or a caretaker support group, do so. You may, If you need to speak with a therapist, do so. Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes for you to stay as sane and as you know well as you need to stay, you do that. You know because there's no harm. Because if you're going to be that person's sole caregiver or caretaker, they need you to be whole. They need you to be well, and they need you to be support and and have you strong in order to help take care of them. So that would yeah. be you know some yeah. Things. And I I think like you said, and really all of those fit all of those tips fit with that. At the end of the day, if you are going to be selfless in the way that caregiving um, forces you to be a little bit, but obviously most people will do it very willingly, you got to take care of you. Absolutely. Um, if you don't, then you end up sort of by default letting that person down because 
if you're sick, then who is going to help with them? Or then you do have to maybe call on strangers or folks that wouldn't typically be working with that person, which could cause some distress um, in that aging or ill person. Um, You know, it changes their routine. And so if you make room, like you said, things like adult daycare, finding support groups, um, leaning on your faith, any of those things that can be the extra support for you it's just kind of it's just critical so yes i think anybody who if they find themselves in the situation unexpectedly but also maybe they are in it now and you're just not doing the best possible job to take good care of yourself those are still useful absolutely tips and tools to to do that and they are mm-hmm. i mean like i said and it's just one thing just to know that you know when you it's take on something like this, you know, you know, hey, you may be well at that time, but in the midst of it, something could, you know, become wrong with you. And, you know, and that person tends to worry about you. I mean, and I guess it brings me back thinking about my mom. If she she thought something was wrong with me, are you OK? You know, it seemed like it. And she got worried mm-hmm. and she would just, you know, if, if something happened to you, what's going to happen to me? You know, mm-hmm. so again. Please, whatever you do, I mean, if you know, if you don't do anything else, that's it. just take care of yourself so that you can be there for you for that individual. Because really, you just don't know how much they count on you and they need you to be there for them. And they they don't they don't want to know that you know they they really don't want to see anything wrong with you because they start to fear that they don't know what's going to happen to them at mm-hmm. that point. So mm-hmm. just try your very very best to take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, definitely excellent tips and advice. And um, I appreciate you, Mom, for being uh, transparent about your experiences because I do think people um, don't really have an image of what caregiving really looks like. Like we assume either based on what we see, you know, on TV or movies, um, but those are short lived. And, you know, doing something for several years, but also multiple times with folks who have different um, illnesses. Absolutely. It looks different for each it one. It really does. So, um, I appreciate you for sharing all of those experiences and at least offering some form of a visual for people who are either in the same situation or um, may find themselves in that as uh, life goes on. So thank you very, very, very much. And it's been my pleasure as always to be on the Emerald Couch. <laughs> so you're going to stick around for a few more minutes, right? Where our signature segments. Yeah, that's why anywhere. not? I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay right here. Okay. So we'll be right back after a quick break. Couch listeners, we are back with our signature segments for the week. First up is our pop psych moment of the week. Um, centers around mental health as always, but merges sort of um, the other side, I think, of my world and sport. And on this past Thursday, ESPN released an exclusive interview with Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, who in the past has spoken openly about. Um, mental health, um, but not this extensively. So um, there was an exclusive sit-down interview that came out, um, and I think people around the world 
um, applauded him and also the efforts that are currently in place around mental health and wellness in the NBA in particular um, to be able to support these efforts. And so being able to think about kind of even a little bit of what we've talked about today, where maybe um, oftentimes professional athletes don't find themselves in the role of a day-to-day caretaker or caregiver, they usually maybe are that financial support for family. Um, Maybe if they have aging or ailing parents, um, they have the pressures to perform. Um, And so oftentimes, you know, it goes sort of unnoticed in the midst of that, that that form of support giving um, still weighs on you mentally and emotionally and physically. Um, And so what I really like about what he is doing, but also what the NBA is doing is just really being able to highlight mental illness and mental health and also helping people know how to distinguish between the two um, and finding ways to seek more support in order to help erase the stigma. So definitely a kudos to them. If you haven't checked out the interview, um, please consider doing so. It's on YouTube. um, And if I can, I will find a way to post the link through the show notes so that if you are interested just in checking it out to definitely do so. So again, not directly tied to our Um, theme today of caregiving, but to recognize that there are sort of unique and non-traditional ways too where caregiving plays a part. And he, you know, talks about that and along with other athletes of, you know, they may not be that sibling that gets to take care of the aging parent day to day because of travel and and their their job, Um, but maybe through the financial and emotional support that they offer because of their role, that too is something then that they have to carry with them on their job day to day. Um, knowing and maybe even feeling guilty that they don't get to be there for that experience. So please check it out. Please um, consider thinking about the way in which you um, also think about mental illness and mental health. And if there are stigmas that still exist to work to erase them or to learn more so that um, you don't live in fear of getting help and support that's needed. So kudos to Kevin Love, to the NBA, um, and to ESPN for giving a platform for mental health to get to be highlighted. So moving to our Small Talk bookshelf, um, I have, I think, um, a resource. And then, Mom, I think you have something, too, right, that yes, you want to share. Yes. Um, you go first. I'll let you share yours oh, first. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know I was get first first dibs at it, y'all. Uh Anyway, the book that I, I mean that, you know, I thought about when thinking about this segment, um, William Jefferson um, wrote this book and the t- and title of it is Dying is the Easy Part. Um, you know, life is a real challenge. You know, it's that, I mean, it shows that while the hard parts of life can occasionally, you know, they be uh, occasionally be conquered. Life is more about being ready to die than ready to live. Um, you know, and also as, you know, he declared, you know, also along the way and um, as it relates to a quote that Shakespeare um, declared of all the wonders in the world. He said, you know, it seems to be the most strange that when men should fear seeing that debt, a necessary end will come. When will it come? Mm-hmm. You know, so again, I mean, you know, as you we, you know, have aging parents, aging relatives, you know, the easy part, you know, that, you know, is dying. But again, getting through that process, that's mm-hmm. a hard process, you know, I mean, so, you know, um, dying is, is just the part that they know they have to go through because as life was given to us, life is going to be ended as in as well. So, um, 
the dying part and you know as he wrote in the book so again if you have the opportunity like i said the book um with, by William Jefferson, and dying is the easy part. So it's a part of my collection. So I do, you know, like to share that with you. Hope yes. you look it up and check it out and add it to your bookshelf. Yes, by all means. Um, I'll, I'll maybe borrow mine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Um, so another really good resource um, for those that are interested, also in. Um, trying to figure out a way to support the mental, physical, and emotional experience of caregiving um, or even just having, um, like we just mentioned, experiences around death and dying um, is really being able to think intentionally, too, about the spiritual basis of um, caregiving and caretaking and what it can look like. And so I'm a huge fan of um, the version Bible app because there's tons of like um, plan, reading plans, um, verse of the day, and then also now it's almost like a social media platform. Like, so friends and family can like friend and mm-hmm. like and support and yeah. offer comments on what you're reading, uh, which is is pretty it's, cool. It's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like so, it. recently, um, just also in preparing for today's show, and I actually haven't completed this plan, but. Um, I think just being able to even think about what resources are available is what we always want to provide for the Small Talk Book Show. Um, I came across a plan called Keeping Love Alive as Memories Fade. And so the plan itself is more so about um, the experience of caring for a person with Alzheimer. However, it could obviously be applied to sort of anyone in the phase of knowing that that person that you are caring for will one day leave you and what that experience can be like. Um, And so it's a seven day plan um, that addresses the physical, the mental, the spiritual um, parts, but also like being honest and transparent about the exhaustion that does come with caregiving and knowing how to um, pay attention to that and be mindful of that while also recognizing that you too are going through um, a, an experience just like they are and, and that can often be painful but that often um, can be supported through addressing um, your mental and spiritual needs so if you've never used version before this could be a great time to check it out that's a great plan and there are literally like thousands of others um, to choose from and they're usually within a set time frame so a five-day plan or a three-day plan or one-month plan Um, Just to give you a chance to focus very specifically and intentionally on a particular topic. And so, of course, with us talking about caregiving today, when I came across that, I thought it was perfect to share with you all for the Small Talk Bookshelf because um, it's an easy way to maybe have a discussion that also is connected somehow to your spiritual basis if that is a part of your way of taking good care of yourself. So keeping love alive as memories fade, version app seven days check it out and make sure you add it to your small talk bookshelf so this week we did not have any ask dr lp questions (laughs) unless you have one mom but that's okay if you don't um so make sure that you submit them to us on social media you can email them to us you can submit them 
in the Ask Dr. LP portal on the website. And now Instagram also has a new feature where you can ask questions. So we will make sure that you can also do it through there because we see you all on our Instagram and Facebook all the time. So it may be easier for you to do it when you're on there surfing what we've put up. So we will also make that feature available so that if you are interested in asking a question, not just about this topic, but any topic that we've covered or that we haven't covered, please feel free to do so. So that brings us to the end of another show. (laughs) It's it's been amazing. And I know there's Ask Dr. LP, but if you have any questions Mm -hmm. for me, feel free to drop it in. As she said, let me know. I'll be more than happy to answer you. I promise you, because I listen in every week, (laughs) y'all. So send them our way. (laughs) Y'all have a great day. So we appreciate you all for listening. I think this was a great topic and great way to end and round out the month of August. So we've been focusing really on thinking about um, intentional topics that really address some of the um, really big life areas. So this month we've talked about love, we've talked about relationships, we've talked about caregiving now, um, and just being able to have um, a way to do that with you all as a community um, is exciting. So I hope that this month has been great as far as, um, you know, being able to learn more about some of these special topics. And we'll be back in September with even more exciting things, hopefully more guests. Um, and we're going to keep this thing rocking and rolling. So if you haven't, as always, make sure you like, follow and subscribe and also rate us and submit your questions if you have them for Ask Dr. LP or Ask Mama. Um, And so we hope you will tune in more next week right back here on the Emerald Couch. Until then, bye. Bye.